Welcome to the Smarter Trading Podcast. If you want to sharpen your trading skills or become a more savvy investor, then you're in the right place. Every week, we sit down with professional traders who are ready to share practical insights on what it takes to succeed in modern day markets. Smarter Trading, the show to watch to trade smarter. Medeiros is the founder and CEO of The Trade Risk. All opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Evan or The Trade Risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Evan and guests may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. This episode of Smarter Trading is sponsored by Investors Business Daily. IBD has been around for over 35 years, helping investors navigate each and every market cycle. If you want the best analysis and actionable trade ideas from the leader in growth investing, check out IBD Digital. Go to investors.com slash Evan, that's E-V-A-N, to get your first two months for only $20. Subscribe today and start trading smarter at investors.com slash Evan. Thank you, IBD, for supporting financial education and making this episode possible. Now, let's get on with the show. Our guest today is Samantha LaDuke. Samantha is the founder of LaDukeTrading.com and CIO of LaDuke Capital, LLC. Samantha is known for timing major market inflection points in equities, commodities, bonds, currencies, crypto, and especially volatility. In this episode, we break down Samantha's macro to micro framework and cover a wide range of topics. We start with some high-level macro discussions of why it's important to pay attention to policy decisions and credit markets in order to inform stock market movement. We then drill down into the importance of volatility and technical analysis in order to frame out trades, construct a portfolio, and anticipate market moves. We also discuss the recent inflow of brand new traders entering financial markets and how Samantha is helping onboard more women into the space. Samantha wears so many hats, has a go-anywhere approach, and really enjoys what she does. Please enjoy this episode with Samantha Leduc. I am very excited to have you here because you have a lot to share and you do a tremendous amount as a trader, an educator, and you're very multidimensional. And that's what I love because you look at macro, you look at all the intermarket relationships, you are in the quant side of things, you look at traditional technical analysis, and probably a whole lot more that I don't know. So what I, where I would love to start today is what do you look at first when you are turning on your screens in the morning? Like what what's catching you up on the day? Is it news? Is it price? What markets? How do you start your day? Oh, definitely market moving news. So I wanna I wanna see what asset classes have the uh, the most traction, either to confirm a particular you know position that I have of, of analysis, or I'm looking obviously for um, oftentimes the divergences. So what the narrative right now is saying about the interest rates or, you know, how big a deal is the new variant for COVID. Um, but mostly I'm running through economic data as well as market moving news of interest on stocks that can be uh, traded as well as referencing, you know, really big themes that I'm still checking every single day. Test, test, test. Yep. It's still in play. It's still in play. It's still in play. So you consider yourself a, 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 you go macro to micro, and I love that tagline. I love the the thought process and the philosophy you have. So break that down for us. Like what what does macro to micro trading look like? So for me, I am using a backdrop of macroeconomics because policies will lead, you know, economics. Forgive me, that's my cat in the background. Um, and then, like you had mentioned, the uh, modalities of um, study, some folks are really focused on fundamentals, some very much technicals, some the macro. I'm really pulling in a lot of different approaches so that I can kind of create a storyline, a narrative before it happens. So I like to look at data and then create context um, that's going to tell a story. And for me, that's following macro and all the big picture themes that are very durable 
trends, um, and they definitely set the, the you know the the backdrop of of where whales will be swimming, and we're talking big big movements, right? Money flow. And mm-hmm. then I drill down to the micro, which is the actionable stuff on different time frames, chase, swing, and trend. And so is this how you is this how you started? Because you, you have you have a from the outside in, it looks like a complex, a deep process that you've really built out. So when you first got started trading, were you thinking of this kind of top-down macro first approach or did you have something different? Did you develop into this over time? Oh, I think every trader has a personal journey. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an evolution. Some, um, you know, I got into it because I was underutilized for the most part. I had sold my business a year and a half prior um, from a medical emergency by my my son. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do uh, that really challenges my my brain at the same time, my love of interest and trends. Um, so kind of getting into this space of uh, technical analysis and then you know fundamental analysis, it wasn't enough. It didn't explain things. You and I were talking uh, you know earlier about the quant driven side. Um, that for me is more market structure. So mm-hmm. what the big again, the you know the, the big money flow into the um, optionality of stocks and how that's driving so much of the action, the underlying action um, in the flow of options and driving the underlying stock. So there was just no restriction was not my jam. I wanted to learn as much as I could about everything that could impact um, a particular stock or asset class. So technical analysis was really my introduction because I wanted to start there and I could, you know, obviously do this um, from home basically. And then I got into this, wait a minute, there's so much more to this. This is a huge uh, game of chess, you know, Mm -hmm. not checkers. Technical analysis to me is very, very helpful once I decide and select, but it's not the be all and end all. It's, it, that's just, it's not exciting enough. I really want to understand what is moving that particular um, stock or asset. Hmm. So I, I think, yeah, you hit on a good topic because I think a lot of traders listening to this are of the technical nature. So they are technical traders. They're good at price action or, or, or identifying patterns. And I think a lot of traders, I stood in that realm for years of just just looking at technicals and that's it. And, and, and so from your perspective, I mean, is that viable by itself? I know you've clearly moved on to these other ladders, but how, you know, how important is it to branch out of that and, and supplement technicals with something else? It's, uh, it's everyone's comfort level. I mean, yeah. I am very good at scanning and synthesizing. I'm, mm. I, I'm more interested in understanding what I don't understand. And if I don't know it, I'm also quick to say, I don't get that. So I want to go figure it out. So hmm. credit, you know, leads equities. What does that mean? Oh, the credit market is bigger than equities. I want to know more about that. Um, you know, policies lead price. I need to pay attention to politics, um, unfortunately, at time. Volatility reprices everything. So guess what? I really worked hard to become a volatility expert. Like I wanted to understand it so I could predict it. None of that happens in a vacuum. None of that happens when you're just following price or just using technical analysis as a way to identify, um, and I do, a low risk entry, a stop, a profit target. It didn't satisfy my desire to understand why something was moving. And that's very predictive. Hmm. Understanding why the motivation of why something is moving helps me position clients in advance for that move. So, I, I mean, I love it. I'm saying yes. I'm 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 sitting here just agreeing and saying this sounds this sounds great. And sign me up. But here's where I get maybe a little confused or unsure of myself is when you say something like policy leads macro, and I I totally agree by the way. But I guess I'm not comfortable knowing uh, if if this policy decision is kind of the, the the right movement or how do I know if this has some legs behind it or if this is the right policy current that 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 gets me in a certain direction like I could be wrong in that realm so like how do you just how do you reconcile that 
I'm definitely not just interested in in policies mm-hmm. and the talk of, for example, you know, lots of fiscal stimulus or the talk of direction of rates moves the market very much so, right? It's 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 buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing. So there's a yeah. lot of sentiment and psychology built up into um, projected policies. So much of that study is in not just waiting for the policy announcement, but it's the anticipation of that announcement and then positioning for that announcement. And you can see that in price. You can see how price, uh, how the market participants are are getting nervous, right? You've got volatility of treasuries. You've got volatility of equities. You can follow um, lots of rotation, which is what I do in sectors. You can see where money is. There's a bull market somewhere. So it'll rotate from sector to sector to sector before it actually erupts in a volatility move. Hmm. So that to me is part of the game of studying the, the sentiment of markets. You can actually anticipate based on future policy. So so you've you've mentioned now a, a, a several different asset classes that you're looking at, you're studying, you're tracking, and I imagine you're trading probably in both directions. Oh, so yeah. you've got lots of, I mean, you just, you can get your arm around so many different things. So how do you think about maybe constructing a portfolio or like, where does the, where does it kind of come down on how to maneuver around all of these opportunities? Well, for me, I have done this over the years where I have my own kind of filtering process where Mm -hmm. the strongest conviction plays always, you know, percolate to the top. I'm looking for Mm -hmm. the highest conviction plays on multiple timeframes. So I'm actually leading, you know, through my live trading room and through all of my client deliverables uh, on different timeframes, chase, swing, and trend. That means that if something is extremely worth chasing for that day, um, then I'm going to be very selective. If something is, you know, for uh, several weeks or several months because of a direction, there's nothing really to quote unquote get in its way, then I'm going to be highlighting that. So for me, it's it's connecting dots mm-hmm. that predict price action uh, like a like a camera lens, kind of zooming in and back out again, always readjusting that focus mm-hmm. so that I can then pick my time frame. So in answer to your question, that's the number one thing, highest probability of what I'm looking looking at. And then I pick the time frame. How realistic is it to reach mm-hmm. that price target in that time frame? Mm-hmm. And then I bet I'm a, a, personally, I use options pretty much on everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at how to structure an options trade that is risk defined. So everyone has different risk parameters. And when you're talking about kind of your portfolio construction, for me, I use a percentage of available equity to chase. And then the bulk of my or you know of my portfolio is in swing trading. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, trend trades, they're more durable. They're not really having to be managed there. You, you kind of trade around core positions, but they're not so um, hypersensitive. So mm. those are the three different kind of components of my portfolio. Chase, swing, and trend. Those yep. are sort of your buckets that you like to um, group opportunities in, and you're trading the highest conviction in kind of each of those. So a yep. chase to you, how do you define a chase? Is that a couple of days? It can be, um, honestly, it could be several hours, it could be several days, but it's typically using options that are weeklies in the next week or the following week, um, maybe a monthly duration, but it's typically something that's going to have volatility come into it and and cause it to move in a direction. So Mm -hmm. it's the opposite of those who are collecting income by selling options working basically to collect that income, you know, for lack of movement, I'm actually looking for volatility to enter and 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 make that go. Got it. Got it. So you're long you're long delta, long gamma, you're trying to get those big moves and yep. there's a is it just technicals or you still have your catalyst, you have a event that is going to help you move that. The funny thing is I typically start with my intermarket analysis. So okay. I like to study divergences and that means I'm using lots of ratio analysis. And mm. I know that, you know, early on, I think we talked about this because it's 
for me, my secret sauce. So when I can really study, um, and it could be growth value rotation, it could be stock bond, um, you know, volatility ratio. I, I put together different analysis that I've used over the years. And then when it starts to diverge very strongly, that's when I know that there is power building up and it mm. has to revert. So it's becoming an outlier. It's not now in in um, in a fractal that's that's tightly, you know, woven together. It's now diverged, and that creates volatility. So mm. I'm looking um, also when the market has a lot of selling underneath the surface. That doesn't come up in price action. It comes up right. later when all of a sudden there's an air pocket of risk. It can mm. happen with a stock. It can happen with a sector. It can happen with the index, the indices themselves. So mm. I'm I'm really looking for that divergence first and foremost to build up, build up, build up, and then there's an inflection point where it starts to weaken, and I can see that, and then the basically the floor gives gives sway, right. um, which is how I've really been kind of. Uh, focused on calling tops. I actually mm. have made a career of it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's very, it's very different than actually picking um, bottoms because those are typically intervention. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. when, when intervention comes in, that's when you ha- now have your floor. Um, mm. But until that happens, it, it just keeps falling and people keep thinking, yeah, they're going to come in, they're going to come in. But until they do, it's actually a, a big air pocket of risk. So I like that style of trading. For the most part, though, markets obviously grind higher for all kinds of liquidity reasons. But um, finding those pockets of risk are my specialty. Interesting. I love it. So so you are then traditionally, if anything, you're going to be early to a move. Is that right? Like You don't find yourself chasing things too often? Absolutely. Okay. Um, probably go over 20 chases, but pick two. It's fabulous. Um, but I also have a trading desk of other traders in, you know, so this is, they have what they're seeing as well and can contribute. So it's, uh, I have, you know, oil trader, futures trader, the whole thing. So the the desk is very robust. I love this. And we can feed also off the clients who are specialists, whether they be Mm. in biotech or, you know, bonds. So there's a lot of, uh, communication, right. Mm. And confirmation. If, you got something really, really hot. You can you can tell there's there's a lot of excitement about it. So it's it's a fun trading desk, not just a trading room. So can a can a chase turn into a swing in terms 100%. of your time frame? Yes. Yep. Okay. 100%. Is that how they start often or oftentimes? Yes. So not always though, but um, oftentimes what I'm looking for is a breakout or you know a bottom fishing play, and will that later get more sponsorship? that mm-hmm. turns into a swing and then the swing turns into a trend. But mm-hmm. there has to be a durable theme. It, it's it's definitely more often just a chase. And then trends, are trends something where you're looking at trends as, as equity markets as a whole or do you see trends on individual stocks as well? Right, so when we have um, you know big moves, whether it be you know the, the, the shovel ready um, theme for infrastructure or uh, cyclical commodities, a big, big, big theme of mine from yeah. summer of 2020 was things over paper. And that mm. just meant that there was going to be um, a, a, an upswing in energy and in other commodities that had been depressed, basically oversold for decades. You know, they were at decade, multi-decade lows, and it was time for them to come up off the ground. And inflation was part of that driver. Um, Higher yields was part of that driver. But that became a very durable um, trend trade that I had recommended to clients for uranium, for lithium, for, you know, oil and gas. That is what I mean by those are durable trends. They have a reason behind it. In this case, you know, the macro of mm. uh, of of inflation uh, driving higher housing and food and energy, uh, gas and, and the like, driving CPI, driving yields. You know, they all kind of rates can pull yields higher and vice versa. Uh, commodities can pull um, yields higher and vice versa. So th- there are there are some trends that then become durable. Hmm. Um, otherwise, they're typically more event-driven swings. And hmm. once they're done, the profit-taking takes hold and they go back into a chop zone and they're not of interest to me anymore. 
Got it. Got it. Yeah. Very selective, very worthless in your, in your management in a good way. Um, so on, in terms of the trend then, what, what gets you out or where, when you're wrong, is it, um, is it a technical stop? Did the theme sort of break down? So maybe if, I mean, if you want to use the inflation trade as, as maybe the example, I mean, is that a, is that a theme that's still going on carrying weight and has interest to you or are you kind of stepped aside right now? Yeah. Inflation is, is a narrative, but it's not a trading vehicle, but the, 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 proxies for Bitcoin or inflation or, you know, value or growth, those are trading vehicles that I will then, you know, definitely follow in, in for trends. And they can definitely be your, you know, your, your mega cap too. But the point is, for me, I'm looking at the, the first and foremost, has it maintained? Yes, a technical level that has not broken down. Has the narrative still stayed in play? Very much so, right? Mm -hmm. And are we in an environment where that sector is also moving higher with the market, for example, if long? So if volatility comes in, it's tied, boats, right? Everything goes with it. So those are the times that must be protected, um, even with the strongest trends, they still can succumb to massive selling, right? They, they sell first, ask questions later when volatility comes in. We've had some very large surges. So that's why I really like to predict when volatility comes in. It's rare, but when it does, it, it damages everything. It, yeah. it reprices everything. But otherwise, if we're still in a solid sector with a solid narrative, I have some key technical um, analysis levels that I look at and it, it makes it it makes it feel safer, <laughs> but there's still always earnings that can upset the apple cart. And I, I tell clients, I have no edge when it comes to earnings. So I really, unless it's a trend, I don't even like to play earnings. Earnings hmm. matter a lot, but I don't like to play the earnings event. What about uh, after the reaction after earnings? Very Is much that... love after. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally. It's, you know, it, Back to fishing, you know the, yeah. the storm or the the thought of a storm has passed. Um, it's it's definitely definitely the best chases, in my opinion, are post earnings. And so that means you're, I mean, you're you're on those earnings calls, or you're dissecting it, or you're looking at no, the, the price action once the cash session okay. opens, or uh, before, obviously, if they're you know pre market or after market, um, how good was it, and then what backdrop do we have? I mean. Mm. This is very, very much a sentiment-driven market, especially when we get to sure. these extreme valuations and extreme, you know, meme stocks and 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 the like. So when we have a sentiment-driven, uh, retail, you know, driven market, then there's def more caution, and you can see also in kind of earnings announcements across the board if they are being rewarded for beats or they're being pummeled when they when they miss. So that will set the stage oftentimes for how, you know, how productive it is to trade uh, through earnings, but definitely after earnings. And and so do you have a lot of trends in a given year? Like how what's the number would you say? No, that deter that is so I and I that's really the hardest thing to predict an ending price. I I'm I'm very honored that Stock Charts TV, for example, has me come on and, and do their yearly, you know, what do you predict? Mm -hmm. I hate it. <laughs> I don't have a price target for the end of the year. It, it, right. I know that we're going to get to the end of the year, but I don't know what it's going to be. But I do have themes that I think will um, will outperform. I'll put it that way. So um, like I have one coming up for 2022 where, you know, we've had 13 years of NASDAQ outperformance. Yeah. It's time for a rest. It's time for, you know, a growth to value rotation with legs where mm -hmm. cyclicals and value stocks that are so oversold and value managers have been so long forgotten um, actively kind of rise up from the dead. So that has been tremors. Uh, you know, through through the past two years, um, in large part because of this fiscal, right? Very different, right. not just monetary, but fiscal stimulus. Um, but I think it it's going to matter um, more moving forward. So, I mean, that's a durable theme um, yeah. to then identify the best value cyclical plays 
Um, but they still have to be managed just like anything else. Yeah, the path could still be bumpy, but generally speaking, I mean, you're, I don't want to oversimplify it, but but you are almost saying though the the band hit its maximum stretch of kind of 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 growth versus value, and and the move that we saw this year is is a starting move, not not a not an end move back to see growth continue to to run supreme, right? Like that's kind of how you see it. Just an equalizing of the of the playing field, right? I I think that's more in tune. In other words, there's not a come to Jesus moment that I can say is coming. It's it's more of let's just let's just level this playing field a little bit better. There's going to be outperformance. So I'll pick those particular sectors for the year and I'll watch them like a hawk. But I'm still looking very much at, you know, the the excitement around momentum, explosive mm. growth stocks, right? Mm-hmm. Um last year it was SPACs yeah. and crypto of course had its it, it's still, you know, grabbing the attention because it has such a, an adoption rate of sure. accounts opened up and actual volume of trading in the same way that options now is the the flea on the tail of the dog. It's actually moving underlying stock because it's so large in its size that market makers, you know, have to have to plan accordingly. So that's all the, the gamma flow that folks have talked about for sure um, that creates an enormous an enormous trading opportunity if you know how to um, size that. And that's one of the things that I'm excited about is being able to follow that flow. And Mm. in particular, you know, bursts in Mm. particular um, stocks, that is a, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, But you can also have your head handed to you when you don't know what you're doing. And that's, that's the, the, the risk that I think a lot of retail traders coming in have now experienced. They really have had um, a choppier performance, right? And I think it's going to separate a lot more the, the, the skill levels coming into the new year. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that is an interesting topic of options and volatility and just options activity sort of leading equity market uh, price, let's call it. And so that seems like, I mean, it started, or maybe I started to notice it late on maybe like the meme stocks is when it really just became very apparent. I mean, gamma squeezes have been around forever, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it seemed to really get you know, publicity and people's attention to see some of those type of parabolic moves, you still find, I mean, do you find value in looking at option analysis on just- 100%. We are trading in a parabola. Everyone wants to (laughs) trade a parabola. I don't care if they're a hedge fund or a, a retail account with 500 bucks. They want to be in and out Perfectly. Right. <laughs> because right. parabolas are trapped longs. They trigger volatility, <laughs> which triggers liquidation. And everybody thinks they're going to get out at the top. They really don't know how to trade it necessarily. Some do, of course, and you know, make huge gains, but the, the majority are really we're all we're all parabola sure. traders. We're all parabola traders. So <laughs> that to me is um where we're at. Right. This this style of uh, new accounts that have been opened since covid is just swamping um, any estimate. Right. Totally. And the number of women opening up accounts has been stellar. So we have many more participants in the market and they're learning as best they can through right? Wonderful resources and some are paying for mentors. Um, Discord has exploded because of this phenomenon, right? Meme Mm -hmm. stocks, gamification of stocks, gamma of option flow. And Mm -hmm. it has absolutely contributed to Tesla's market cap and Apple's market cap and on and on and on. So there's large mega cap that has become even larger and a lot of stocks that probably shouldn't be anywhere near their valuation or price. Um, and you know, the ones I'm thinking of, I don't sure. even have to name them, but they're, they're staying lifted because mm. of this, you know, new cadre of, of traders. And that's a, a whole new phenomenon. And it's exciting because we're actually going to get some of this um, drama to calm down and they're going to become very, 
uh, sticky. They're going to stay in this. Now they're yeah. now they know how to generate wealth. They're going to have to figure out just like we all did when we started trading, right? Sure. Yeah. How they want to trade, um, their time frames, their risk tolerance, what they want to really focus on, um, how how much time they want to spend on it. But I think it's actually very good for the uh, for the industry. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I feel like. And I hate to simplify it just to the new Robin Hood traders, but that's mostly how I think a lot of people categorize this new cohort of investors that came in. But I think back to how I started investing and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I didn't have Robin Hood, but I had to pay you know $14 a, a trade, which made it even worse with a horrible interface. So like I... I'm so happy to see, you know, more traders coming. You mentioned more women coming mm. into the space too. That's exciting. I, I I look at my numbers and I still see like 88, 90% male. Um, maybe you're yep. seeing more encouragement kind of coming in on on the on the ladies. <laughs> yeah, but I'm working to do so. So I'm right. I'm you know, a voice of women in trading and finance and I want to elevate the space. I want to support more women to come into the space, both professionally and, you know, quietly just trading their own um, accounts. I want very much to um, get re more representation and level up the, the playing field. So I've made an effort because of all the times that I have seen conferences, you know, just male faces one after the other. Not yep. one woman, not one woman. Oh, maybe one woman, eh, but she's, you know, how, how prominent are they making this? They don't want to, you know, give up any, any turf. So yeah. I decided to make an active effort to hire women. And I'm very picky, like I am with stocks, but I, I want to make sure that I represent the voice of women so that women coming into this space, both, you know, professionally, um, as well as personally, I want them to see what they can be. So yeah. I have a trading desk um, and I'm growing it. It's more women. I've, I've got now six women on my trading desk wow. and it, it's fabulous. They're, they're caring, you know, about client expectations and risk management. They're not risk averse. They're risk aware. They specialize um, in their particular domain and they just, they own it. Um, it's, I'm, it makes me feel good. I like to build out a women's trading desk because it represents who I am, who I want to have more, you know, in the, in the space so women can see what they can be. Yeah. Good. Good for you. I love it. I love the mission. And I have no doubt in my mind that women, women traders would kick the pants off of the, the average ego-driven male. It's not the competitive thing. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it as a competition. I really, really don't see it as a competition. I just see it as there's um, a, a saying I've said for years, there's no meritocracy without right. the voice of women. I think yes. that women approach this um, industry with a little bit less FOMO. Um, I think there's a lot of really great analysis and just not a lot of representation, maybe because you know, the male energy is very strong. The, the man caves are very strong. The turf is strongly protect, protected, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't change, right? Unless you bring up women, you know, into these roles. There are so few uh, hedge funds and mutual funds that are managed by women. It's taken a yeah. long time to, to make this turn. And I just want to be part of it. And I yeah. see so many young women who are incredibly talented and much more bold than I am. I mean, it took me a long time to, you know, get to this place where I'm like, I'm not afraid and yeah. I can absolutely go there. And I know I'm not willing to risk, you know, more than I'm willing to lose. And these women coming in are so smart yeah. and they want this. They want to create wealth for themselves. And mm -hmm. I want to give them a... a you know, a platform, but more importantly, I want to make money with them and show yeah. that it can be done, but it's not in competition with men. I've got tons of male clients. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the coordination and the communication that is just an, an easier team. It, it's not a, you know, chest pounding. It's next. What's the next right. job? Totally. Work, work hard. What's the next job? It doesn't have to be so, I don't know, pat on the back. Just, just get it done. <laughs> yeah. 
no, totally. hundred percent. I love it. I think that's awesome. So, um, that's great to see. Yeah. Great to see you're up to, uh, up to six. I've never, I've done a lot of conferences. I don't think I've ever seen six women traders in a conference room at once. So, so good for you for, uh, for leading the charge here. I think that's awesome. It's, and it's, it's an openness of wanting to, they're out there. So yes. lots, and there was a woman who ran, uh, I, I forgive me, I can't remember her name, but she ran um, a large hedge fund and then she she left out of New York City and she decided to, uh, I forget what it's called. Um, the, the girl, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. She basically said to the industry, you say you can't find the women, mm-hmm. I'll make you a deal. I'll find the women, you hire them. <laughs> so she went out there and she literally is changing this dynamic alone. It's, it felt like, but I was just so impressed by that. I was like, wow. Okay. Um, I can do that. <laughs> my lo- my own little, very small world in my own little small way. I can do that. Yeah. So I made a, a concerted effort. I just said, this is, this is awesome. And it's, it's a great team. I'm very, I'm very proud of it. Awesome. And we will be right back. Those of you who know Trade Risk know we are all about rules-based investing, and that's why we are so excited to have Investor's Business Daily as a podcast sponsor. It's almost impossible to avoid boom-and-bust trading cycles unless you've got a system that works and you're able to stick with it. That's where IBD comes in. They've been helping investors navigate market cycles with their time-tested methodology for over 35 years, which is why you need to check out IBD Digital their subscription service that gives you access to proprietary market analysis and top trade ideas. Start with the big picture to get a pulse on the market environment. Then browse their exclusive stock lists like the IBD 50. Finally, use their stock checkup tool to find out more about a company. All of this is available to IBD digital subscribers and right now podcast listeners can get their first two months for only $20. Go to investors.com slash Evan that's investors.com slash E-V-A-N to get started for only $20. Now, back to the show. Let's uh, let's switch gears here to market breadth. Is that something you spend time looking at? Huge. So um, a few things. One, I, I kind of look at markets, obviously, um, for direction and volatility. I am looking at intermarket analysis because I can identify, uh, you know, compare and contrast, and I can see divergences, which to me, like I said, sets up that uh, potential um, volatility inflection point. I'm, I'm very much looking for that across multiple sectors and, and assets. I don't care what it is, cryptocurrency, commodities, you know, whatever. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to look for um, breadth and also what's happening underneath, which is selling. And it's not so easy to tell in just price action, like I said. So I actually created risk indicators. We were talking about quant earlier, that this is your ball game, um, even though you started out as discretionary trading. Well, so did I discretionary trading, and now it's kind of evolved. So from this macro to micro, which is all discretionary analysis and trading, I decided, you know what, I love you know, using this pattern recognition and these these breadth and volume indicators, I'm going to work with a developer and a development team to actually build my risk indicators. And they're phenomenal. So that's what I've been using for years in pattern recognition ways. Now I've got it in math. So in the same way that the, you know, the, the quant world is all around us, um, you've migrated into it, so have I. They've become tools in the toolbox, really hmm. strong, you know, technical indicators that work in automated fashion as trading signals. So I, I still have, you know, the products hmm. that I are that are that I run that are service based, but this this domain of of you know automated trading um, yeah. is new to me as of last year. But I had some time during COVID to kind of come up with these new ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And so so are you uh, using the market breath like many other things for divergences or yes. or is there some okay, any confirmation oh, yes. or is that not interesting to you on confirmation? Um it no, it's it they confirm until they don't. And then when breath mm. starts to fall fall apart, that is absolutely the time to um, pay attention. Yes. So it, it it's it always leads the trend, always. Awesome. Um 
sector rotation. You talked a little bit about that and sort of a debated topic. I know some traders say, ah, don't worry about sector rotation. That's a that's a hard game to to, to get in front of. You clearly um, get in front of it. I mean, this is what you do is you try and anticipate volatility and sector rotation. So talk to me maybe a little bit about how that looks and how you think about sector rotation. Well, for me, I really think that um, money rotates. It rotates from one sector to another. Uh, sometimes it can be, you know, news and narrative uh, and the like, but it doesn't just go out of the market. So it moves within, right? It's it's very, uh, very liquid um, and they can move. So they do. And I try to spot where they're going to go next uh, based on the narrative, right? It's always, you know, seek an alpha. Um, and then basically this divergence occurs where nothing then is popping up, like no sector wins today. And then you start to see it and they're really, really pensive. And then I start to look and I can see the selling underneath the surface and breath is decaying. And that's the telltale signs that volatility is going to erupt. So in lieu of sector rotation, we will have volatility in the market. Granted, it doesn't last long, but it can, you know, create a lot of drama. Mm. Yeah. And it's and it's it's really actually um fun to trade both directions. If if I wanted an easy job, I would just trade Apple. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So are there any you talked about ratio ratio charts that you love uh, looking at, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Any any um, high level sector ratio charts that you think have some value, or you, that you spend time looking at utilities versus you know uh, risk on you know sectors, anything like that? Oh gosh, I I I have a lot. I have oh. like I have a lot. So I I. Every single night um, when I close my trading room and I go over my intermarket analysis and I probably have 200 charts that I'm flipping through to see if there's any inflection point um, that I really need to be aware of um, across oil, uh, bonds, currencies, gold. Oh my God, everyone loves gold. Um, <laughs> but why? Anyway, so the point is I go through everything and typically I'll come out of the 200 charts with maybe five mm -hmm. worth highlighting to clients to say, let's, this is something to watch. This is confirmation, or this is a divergence we need to be aware of. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm all over ratio analysis. <laughs> so there isn't, there isn't one in particular that I really like. I had done some really, um, strong work in, in, in a, stock bond volatility analysis ratio. It, it mm -hmm. sounds all, basically that was really helping me to time when it was um, important to go into portfolio hedging mode. Mm. So um, there, there is something very, very powerful about that particular yeah. uh, ratio analysis. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise it doesn't trigger very often, right? Got so it. when it does, I have to pay attention to it. Yeah, I mean, what I like about your 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 macro to micro approach where you're really getting your arms around everything is that they should in theory kind of tell a, a story in concert, right? Where like, you know, you mentioned credit leads equities and market internals confirmation and then getting that stretch and then you're looking at ratio charts on maybe, you know, all the different sectors and markets like they should kind of fit, right? Like it's not just one thing. You're not necessarily saying, oh, you know, this one thing looks bad. Let's go take this trade. But yep. meanwhile, 15 other things are still saying, no, no, stay the course, right? Like that's kind of how you frame it out and think about it. Very much so. Yep. And then I just take the ones that really pop out and matter because mm. it, it's it's important, but it's inflection points. Otherwise it's it's filler. I don't mm. want to do filler. I want to I want to really spot the rotation. I want to really position for the volatility. So for me, I I am studying an enormous amount of data. That's what I like to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I'm I'm taking that kind of market data, whatever it is, filtering out the noise, but at the same time these connect uh, data to me is like words. 
right? So words form sentences, they give meaning, then you can arrange these sentences to tell a story. And all the while there, and I don't know if I get that from my mom because she was an English teacher. I don't know. But there, there are characters, there are motivations, there are plot twists, there's suspense. And then there's the ultimate action, right? You're looking for the ultimate action. So it's kind of like reading a book and trying to predict what's going to happen next. So we'll start to wind down here shortly. Is there anything, and I feel like you've already got a couple of them sprinkled throughout this this uh, this podcast so far, but is there any beliefs that you have that you think go against conventional wisdom or anything that you just hear out there, maybe in the broad fin, fin twit community that you say, nope, don't like that. Don't, don't agree with that. What comes to mind when you think about that? Oh, th- th- this is, these are more personal, I think, than professional. Um, I just don't think, you know, disingenuous um, comments add any value. I don't think uh, right. Being married to a position adds any value. I don't think, um, you know, ignoring women adds any value. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, those are personal. Um, uh, don't risk anything more than you're willing to lose, I think, is my most important mantra. And a yeah. lot of swinging for the fences um, and, you know, kind of like, desperate trading is way, way, I don't even know what to say about it, popular. So yeah. this this capital is disposable mindset, I think is, is terrible. <laughs> um, you know, all these expiring options by the end of the week, right? That's, that's in fact, the, the, the system we're in right now is this gamma-driven um, mania. And it's very, very productive if you know how to use it. Um, Gamma basically creates the parabolas that we all want to trade. It's short-termism, though, and Mm -hmm. it's unhealthy for the market. It's it's all about FOMO chasing. Everybody wants to trade um, a parabola. The problem is, again, parabolas are trapped longs. We are in a parabola. Our market is in a parabola. So trapped longs will trigger volatility. Volatility will create that liquidation risk. So there's nothing, um, you know, that's going to stop this train basically until we get major liquidation. And so everyone is basically, they're still up there, right? They, they don't know they're in a parabola yet. Yeah. I mean, that is, I think the, the downside, I think of the, we talked about all the, the new traders coming in, the, let's call them again, Robin Hood traders, let's say, but a lot but of them are hedge funds too. Swing it. That's true. That's right. Exactly. Uh, they're in the same game and they're playing the same games. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there is a lot of risk taking out there, uh, for sure. Um, but again, hopefully they learn and, um, it usually takes blowing up an account or two. I know I can raise my hand to that on how I started. And- we all can. We all can. Yeah. And and like I said, they will settle down and settle yeah. into a rhythm that fits their personalities. Um, and that's exciting is to see where this goes from here. But yeah, no, there's there's still, you know, um, lots of excitement in the market and reason to be excited. Oh my goodness. You know, we've got some fabulous companies and some fabulous innovations and all that. Uh, Just to me, a little bit of adding time and adding perspective helps. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So before we wind down, anything else on your mind, anything we didn't talk about, anything you want to riff on before we uh, sign off? No, I just think, um, you know, this particular approach that I have, this macro to micro, is my particular style of trading. I like to, again, I'm I'm curious, and that's what makes me um, a better trader, is I want to find out what happened, what's going to happen, but that you can simplify it. There are lots, these are my concepts, right? So simplifying it would be to kind of stick to what you're good at in your particular time frame and risk tolerance. All of that is a personal experience for those who are um, learning to trade or have a few years and haven't quite figured out their rhythm. Don't give up, right? So just resiliency, curiosity, grit, determination, whatever, just don't give up. Um, It's so worth it, in my personal opinion. And definitely don't ignore the voice of women. I think that there is a lot of power 
that's building up under the surface in the same way that I, you know, can spot divergences when tops are forming in that sold to you market. I can see a lot of power building up in women in trading and finance and just, you know, some some recognition and some leveling up of that playing field, I think, is going to make a much stronger market, fairer market and a better, stronger economy. We've got a whole bunch of, uh, of, of spenders and savers out there that need to get access to this information so that they can increase their wealth. And I'm, I'm doing my I'm, I'm doing what I can, but it's very, very, very small. <laughs> so we can more to it. Well said. So people can find you at leductrading.com. Where else should they go? Where else can they find you? Yeah, leductrading.com is um, my main website, and that's where I have my fishing club membership, Big Ideas, Edge for Institution. Um, I also have a Discord product, Dis- Leduc Trading Discord. Um, I have the risk indicators, which are housed at VIG.io. Um, so yeah, I've got five products and a growing bench, which is very exciting. <laughs> um, I have uh, a presence on Twitter, but honestly, it's not so active. I, I will, you know, admit it, it's, I worked 70 hours last week and probably only 70 minutes on Twitter scanning and, <laughs> and contributing, but I love uh, FinTwit. I think that's a fabulous platform. Um, And once in a while, I do a little, you know, national media or an interview. And I'm really grateful that we could catch up. It's been six years. So thank you for this invite, Evan. I really appreciate that. Well, I am so glad you're here and you are modest because you put out a tremendous amount of content on your YouTube channel and everywhere else. So you are. I got YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. You are you are a busy bee. We're going to put all those places, uh, all those links in the description below. So that's it, folks. All the notes and links will be in this description. You can find it at thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you in a future episode. Samantha, again, thank you so much for being here. Sincere thanks. Thank you for listening to Smarter Trading. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For all of the show notes, links, and callouts, head on over to thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Smarter Trading is hosted by me, Evan Medeiros, and produced by Ashton Alexander. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you in the next episode.